The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his. <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrough. Mickey, Mickey, it's Rob here, Rob Ryan. Sean just told me about Raphael Bush, the fucking Falcons. Really? Really? There's 32 teams out there, and it had to be the Falcons. Look, I'm about six Heinekens deep right now. I was going to head to Miss May's. But I want all the safeties, goddammit. And now I need to go take my nap. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go take my nap. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to Miss May's. I'm going to have about six more Heineken. And I'm going to call you back. And when I call you back, I want to hear that you matched the offer sheet. And that you signed another safety on top of that. (laughs) If you haven't done these things and you don't comply, I will stay at Miss May's. Until I drink myself to death, and you can consider that my resignation. Love you, Mickey. <laughs> and with that, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. We get secret audio of Rob Ryan's phone calls. Uh, as always, we're sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, 136 draft beers. Uh, you can watch LSU not score any runs. Um, you could have watched the basketball tournament. You can watch the NBA playoffs coming up. Uh, all right. The Saints, they just keep making news all off season long. It's like 2012 with Bounty Gate, but the news is fun and enjoyable. Um, Dave couldn't <laughs> join us this week cause he's selling books or doing heroin. Who knows? Um, Andrew, I'll start with you. Uh, the Saints match the offer to Raphael Bush. Um, I wasn't that surprised cause I feel like Atlanta didn't really make a really good enough effort to sign him. I mean, it wasn't that much money. They, it didn't surprise me. Were you surprised that the saints matched it? Andrew, are you there? Yeah, I'm here now. Yeah. Did, are, you, did, did you just finish your question? Yes. I totally missed like 80. <laughs> He just wasn't paying attention. He's probably no, no. The um, call dropped out. What? I wasn't surprised that the Saints matched the offer. Oh yeah, you were saying you were saying the Falcons didn't give it the old college try. Yeah, they didn't give it. I mean, it was only two point two five. It wasn't like it was. 
it wasn't like they made an offer where they're like, fuck you, Saints. We are going to have Raphael Bush, and you, there's nothing you could do about it. Like, they didn't go to three, three and a half million. So I wasn't that surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised they matched it. Um, the thing is, the, the Saints could have actually spent a little bit less than that if they had just done the second round tender. And that's that's what I find most annoying about all this. No team is going to risk a second, second round second round pick for Raphael Bush. They're just not going to do it. So you make an investment of $700,000 more um, and the problem goes away. And, and Raphael Bush was never going to sign with anyone. Um, so now you kind of leave this, this window open by giving him the lowest tender of a team potentially poaching him away, um, which a team tried to do, and now you end up spending more. So, you know, honestly, I don't think it was that bad of a gamble by the Falcons because the Falcons are thinking, well, they didn't want to invest the second round tender in, in Bush, so maybe they don't value him there. So we're going to give him a little bit more than the second round tender. And if they didn't want to give him the second round tender, maybe they won't match our offer. So um, I guess once pressed against it, um, they matched it. I, I have to wonder if it had been an AFC team, I, if, does that make any difference that it's a direct competitor, your bitter rival in the division? Um, did that make maybe make Mickey Loomis or Sean Payton slightly more inclined to match it because it was the Falcons as opposed to an AFC team? Probably not. But um, anyway, that that's an added layer of complexity that – is interesting to think about, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, that he, I think Sean Payton said this today. He's a young safety that they like, and and anytime you have young talent that you're developing, um, it's a real shame to lose it to to anyone. I mean, obviously the Falcons makes it even worse, but um, obviously that that's a player they needed to keep, and I'm glad they did. Kevin, they had a lot of just stupidity on Twitter, which is yeah. Should should Saints fans should they have been butthurt that? He signed with Atlanta. I mean, they were offering him a nice contract. What's the guy? I mean, like, is it is is it legitimate for Saints fans to be like, "Fuck you, Raphael Bush. You, you cannot sign with Atlanta. You're stained forever." And actually, not only that, but the butt hurt was coming out before everything was settled. Yeah, like I could kind of see people getting pissy. If the if it was a done deal, Saints weren't matching, and he was definitely going to Atlanta. I could I could maybe understand that, but to just throw the fucking guy under the bus before before everything's done, it's 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 laughable, and and, and it really it it's it's embarrassing. It it made me just shake my head and go, like we have. A it turns out we have a higher number of jackass yokels in the fan base than I guess I wanted to realize. Um, but I mean, how long how long was Bush with the team? Three years. Two, I think. Two. Yeah. Okay, he was with the team two years. In fact, he had been with the Falcons prior to the Saints. Even better. So. He was he was with the Falcons first, then came to us for two years now, and then was going to go elsewhere, and 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 we're going to act like it's a venial sin. I mean, I understand getting pissed about Bobby Abair. I understand getting pissed about Joe Horn. Believe me, I was I was trumpeting that brigade. 
Um, I even understand people getting mad at for over Morton Anderson, although that should have been quashed for good. But dude was here for two years. He was with Atlanta before. I, I, you know, I guess, and maybe, maybe I'd be more worked up if he did end up going back, but I don't know. It, it just, the, the, the fact that he didn't and all the other circumstances, this is just a low priority thing for me. And, and the fact that, the fact that fans got all, got all pissy about it or something. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fans, I'm not going to say all. The fact that some fans got pissy about it is, is really, really stupid. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I mean, we have we have yokel fan bases, don't we? I mean, the Saints. I mean, we're we're higher in the percentage of yokel fans than we like to admit, maybe. Um, but Andrew, you made the point in a blog post. You're like, people are like, oh, you can't pay that for a starter. He's the third safety. He played the 11th most snaps for the defense. So, and the way Rob Ryan likes to play safety, he's a starter, and I could argue that. I think even though the Saints had to pay a little bit more than they wanted, Andrew, it might work out in their favor because if he, now they have him for two years. So if he – he could – it's conceivable that this defense could be really good and he could be a guy that if he would have been on that one-year tender, if he gets five or six picks or three – a team could say, hey, he's a good young safety. We're going to pay him – I mean – mediocre safeties like Mike Mitchell get $5 million a year from Pittsburgh. So, Andrew, is it crazy of me to think this might work out for the Saints' benefit in the long term? I mean, I don't think he's getting five to six picks and getting a $5 million contract um, next season, or would have. So, um, I, I don't think he's on that level, but uh, maybe any crazy things can happen. So, um, But, no, I, I mean, I, I think the bottom line is uh, – I don't think it's that far off um, in terms of value, in terms of fairness. I don't think he played that far off of earning 2.25 million a year. I mean, if you look at, I mean, we we always talk about this. The contracts reward past performance. You know, the contracts are not an indication of how a player is going to do in the future. Um, When veterans get a contract, it's based on what they've done in the past, Um, or sometimes it's based on 
what we think you're going to be able to do. Um, but in the case of Raphael Bush, I mean, I think he gave the Saints about $2 million worth of value in his play last season. Um, so based on that, I think the contract is fair. Um, yeah, and, and again, I mean, for I would say to the people that say that he's not a starter, I mean, he, he played more snaps than Broderick Bunkley did last year. And I think most people would consider Broderick Bunkley a starter for the Saints defensive line, and they should. Um, because he's kind of the guy that plays up the middle. So um, I agree with you. I mean, really, th- this when Kenny Vaccaro is moved to the slot um, in a nickel situation, he, he's really the nickel corner, um, and that's when the other safety comes in in Bush. And in this day and age with the passing offenses and the three receiver sets, it, it, it's not just third down where, where you're facing nickel offenses and nickel defenses. It's it's first down, second down. I mean, it's you know there's a lot of rotation. It happens all the time. So um, he's on the field plenty, and um, I think he's absolutely worth the starter, especially in this scheme and this defense where, like you said, Rob Ryan uses him a lot. Kevin, how excited are you that the Bush jersey you have in your closet is still valid to use? Kevin, are you there? Is Kevin? Is Kevin? Oh, for God's sake, I hit the damn mute button again. Hang on. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I just pulled up something else, so that way I'm not going to hear it. I heard Raphael Bush said something. He said something earlier this offseason about maybe changing his number. No, he can't. No, don't change the number. (laughs) I mean, you know, like like when I I go into my closet and and, and, uh, smell the jersey, you know, it's not going to be the same if he changes the number. Hey, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, no, that 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 Reggie Bush jersey that's too big. I I like to be able to break it out. And and he's a nice he's a nice player. I think he's going to I think he's going to end up being a a good signing and um I want Rob Ryan to play 11 safeties on a play. I don't know how he would do it, but I feel like it's possible. Um so so and if they keep if they get rid of safeties it can't happen. So I'm all for that. Um a move that happened it seems like forever ago now with all the stuff going on in the Saints, Kevin. They signed Champ Bailey, and the contract that they gave him, they said it was for $7 million, but it's really not. He gets like $500,000 guaranteed and not too much. It's got a ton of incentives. Um, how do we feel about Champ Bailey? What, what's, what's, real, what's realistic to hope for? I know we all hope for Darren Sharper pre-Rufy's rapist. 2009 version of the well, actually, ticket. that that was during. We just didn't know. Yeah, but, but like, oh man, don't, man, I don't want to think about that. But what's what's realistic for Ch- like what is a realistic uh, outcome to be talking about Champ Bailey in December that he's had he's had a good year. What's realistic to expect? Um, if say, I tell you what, if he has a couple of picks. I mean, again, and it's all incentive-based, so it's like whatever. If he has a couple of picks, if he plays a lot of downs, and uh, the guy that he's the guys that he's covering don't have that many uh, don't have that many you know targets. No, no, I was gonna say targets. I mean, just (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, touchdown does pose the more important number, but. I would just say more uh, fewer targets and 
if, say, ESPN or Fox is doing one of those obnoxious, and Champ Bailey went here and really helped coach up the secondary, and then you get the you get the bullshit <laughs> cliches from Rob Ryan about, hey, he's really taking him under his wing and teaching him all the little things and all this other kind of stuff, and then they cut you know that they, they they cut to Kenny Vaccaro and and Champ Bailey like on the sidelines at a practice field, and they're just like standing there talking about stuff and you see him laughing about whatever. And, you know, I mean, essentially I've got a three minute ESPN puff piece in my head already. (laughs) So I'd be quite happy with that. Over under on games. Chant Bailey plays. Andrew is 11 and a half. Ooh. Ooh. Well, here's the thing. He only played five last year. And he was obviously injured, but his durability in his 15-year career prior to that season has been incredible. He's missed 11 games in 14 seasons before last year. Um, So he has been a model of consistency, a model of health, um, very durable. Um, So last year, I mean, so so that's the question. Was last year a one-off? Was it the anomaly? Or is father time finally catching up with him and is that a sign of things to come so um hopefully he's healthy and recovered from that injury um man i i don't know how long he's gonna last i'll tell you this i think right now he's spent he's penciled in as a starter opposite keenan lewis um i don't think it would be prudent for the saints to start him and expect him to play every down like a starting cornerback would um, so in other words, I, I think if Rob Ryan's going to be smart about this and he's going to try to squeeze out every ounce of juice left in Champ Bailey and every ounce of talent he has, um, then he's going to put him on a snap count um, and he's going to pick his spots for when he needs him and when he's going to put him in situations where he can still be successful. So, um, I mean, I'd like to think he's a 16 game starter that can go out there and play. Um, I, that, I don't think that's very realistic. Um, so what, what did you say? 11 and a half? 11 and a half. Oh, um, man, I think I picked the under, unfortunately. But look, I mean, if they get nine good games out of Champ Bailey, then it was worth it. Which um, nine? Is it the back nine and playoffs? You know, I'm thinking like four and then he misses a few games. He's back for a couple weeks, maybe rolls an ankle. And hopefully, you know, hopefully you have him healthy in the playoffs. That's the main thing. You know, if, if he has to miss a couple weeks because he's banged up, um, and he needs time to recover. Um, you want him peaking at the end of the season, so that's the key. You don't. What I don't want is him to play nine games, tear an ACL, and then be out for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think the the best case scenario is that he's he he does really well, and Andrew fans are bitching and complaining in like October, November that they don't play him enough. Yeah, you know, well, I, I think it's it's like that pitcher, you know, that just yeah. came back from Tommy John surgery, and you've got him on a sixty pitch limit or yeah. eighty pitch limit, and he's throwing a no hitter, and you pull him in the fourth inning, and fans go nuts. But you got to think long term, you know, you don't want to burn the guy's arm out in in three outings, and then he's he's off on the shelf again for a year. So um, I, I kind of view it like that. I think you've got to take the long term approach. It, it's kind of like the snap count with Pierre Thomas that we talk about a lot of times. Fans yeah. want to see him get 20, 30 touches in a game, and we've seen that when he gets the bulk of the carries, he's getting hurt, and the Saints have done a good job of getting him through a couple seasons uh, in the last couple of years 
um, thanks to a limited snap count where he's getting only 10, 10 to 12 touches a game. So um, I'd like to see something like that with Champ. The thing about Champ Bailey that I think actually probably makes it less likely that he stays healthy, and it was a thing that's made him great, and it's part of the reason he's a Hall of Famer, is he's a fantastic tackler. And he's not like a normal – like Dion played a long time. He couldn't tackle for shit. He didn't want to tackle, didn't try to tackle, didn't care. Champ Bailey will go in there and tackle. And, Kevin, that's fine when you're 26, 27. But when you're 35, throwing your head around, as you know, when you wrestle, the the body doesn't heal up quite as much. No, it does not. No, it does not. As somebody who is currently uh, still hurting from – taking a bunch of clotheslines and actually getting caught right in the bottom part of my neck. Uh, Kevin got caught in the bottom. Yeah. Power bottom. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And you get your, you get your head whipping around real fast and yeah, it hurt. It, 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 that hurts. So Christ only knows what it is for, for champ Bailey, who's older than me. And yeah, he's obviously in, still in top physical peak condition uh, for, you know, us, us bums, but, you know, getting, getting crushed or or trying to, trying to run out and crush another human being takes its toll. (laughs) Um, Takes its toll, man. It ain't all, it ain't all soup. It ain't all uh, suplexes and drop kicks. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes a power bomb is in order and, uh, you take enough of those, and it's like, well, nope, I'm, I think I'm done. Andrew, odds that we see Kevin on Tosh.0 uh, being made fun of because it's a horrible wrestling video gone wrong. Oh, the odds are good. <laughs> They're real good. I really think you guys are going to be sorely disappointed. I've been told I kind of look like Tosh.0. You kind of do. Uh, the thing about him, he's got some wicked wrestling videos, like the woman that has her leg break into like six different parts. Oh, God, I do not. No, man. Why, why are you saying this? I know. I'm, the, I'm an asshole. I admit it. Um, Andrew, rarely do things like surprise me in free agency because you know either a team wants a player or a, team, a player goes for more money. But the Brian De La Puente situation with the Saints, he went to the Bears – to be a backup. <laughs> so that has to mean to me that either A, the Saints offered him nothing because they're like, we're not even paying you the minimum. They got to pay some veteran the minimum on the roster. Or the Saints were matched the offer to the Bears, but he was like, fuck you, Saints. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else to make the exact same, and I'm going to be a backup. So it, the Brian, it just that perplexes me, and the fact that he had no market. It just his situation, Andrew, of everything in free agency has really, really surprised me. I agree, it's mind blowing. It, re- I mean, it's shocking uh, when you consider that he's a, a starter for 16 games the last two years. Um, is he an elite center? No, but he's been a solid, solid enough guy. I mean, I don't think anyone watched his film and considered him one of the worst centers in the league. I mean, he, he was totally fine. So, um, he was a totally adequate center. And in fact, he was rated by most as the number three or four center in free agency. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, he he had some visits. He had some teams interested in in the Giants, and he had some teams in in the Redskins. Um, So then you look at the Bears, and apparently he got one year at the veterans' minimum. I mean, Jed Collins got more money than that with the Lions for. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he got him. Jed Collins got more money. So what I don't understand is you've got this guy who's a 16 game starter and a center. and yes, you know, you could for multiple argue years, by the way, for multiple years. And, and you could argue that, you know, like like the running back position, um, the center position is maybe not as important as it used to be because there's less interior running. There's more passing. So, you know, the the pass the pass rushers, you know, you want to block them. So the tackles become more important and the in, the interior, especially the center, is maybe less important than they used to be. So. Um, I mean, I, I could see how you would make arguments like that, but the Saints paid Eric Lorig. I mean, fullback isn't even a position anymore in the league. So somehow that, that I know that has less value than being a center. So I, I, I don't get it, man. I mean, you, if you look at the Bears roster, they've got in Roberto Garza, a guy that's probably playing his last year. And then you've got two guards. I mean, he's not moving back to guard because they have Kyle Long and they have Slauson, who are both good players. So he's not going to start over them. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's a backup. And his contract runs out in a year, and he'll be a free agent again. And so it's not like they sign him to a multiple-year deal where he's going to step in after Garza retires in a year. So um, it's a total head-scratcher. He, he didn't get paid anything. I, I can't believe that he couldn't get any more money out of the Redskins or the Giants. I, I don't know if they just weren't good fits, and he, I don't know if he's lo- loves Aaron Cromer so much that he wanted to be a backup for the minimum. But um, to me, that says the Saints didn't offer anything. I mean, I, I just don't see how he would have passed up an opportunity to start again, even if it was for one year in the veterans' minimum. Over paid, going to the Bears and being I a backup. Totally forgot about that. Andrew. They paid a fullback that's going to play. 30% of the plays yeah. in the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, I, I just can't believe that. I mean, if you look at what the Jaguars just spent on uh, the Cleveland center um, to hopefully get him away from, from the Browns. Um, I, I just don't understand where, why Brian De La Puente can't get himself a three year, $4.5 million deal somewhere that, that it blows my mind. Kevin, if the Saints go into the year with Loretto and some rookie center, uh, how concerned are you going to be? Not very. I'm just, I'm just not. Um, I, I'm, I'm in a very weird, uh, in a very like relaxed <laughs> state about things at the moment. Uh, maybe it's just because I read a story about the the Broderick Bunkley thing and how there's suddenly like four million dollars under the cap now. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I maybe I'm only seeing enough. <laughs> maybe I guess I'm only just seeing enough good things that like other things that could potentially be perilous as we get closer to the season. I'm not sweating somehow. I don't know. It's it's really weird. I'm in I'm in a weird place. I guess. Andrew. The Saints are just putting off the day of reckoning, and look, everybody knows that listens to this podcast. I'm all for it. Just keep trying to win until Breeze starts to show the steep decline. But of all this sort of pushing off, pushing off, when is sort of like the date of reckoning where like 
they aren't going to be able to like push it off anymore. Is it like 2016, 2017? No, Loomis clearly is a wizard, or does it? No, I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, no, Mickey Loomis is 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 the best in the business, and he continually finds a way to field competitive teams despite the cap woes and get the players they want. Um, and you know, I mean, you you could argue that the day of reckoning came this season. I mean, they lost Lance Moore, they lost Darren Sproles, they lost Jabari Greer. They lost Roman Harper. They lost Will Smith. And so you look at those guys, and, and, and I mean, that, that's a significant part of the team. Um, obviously, they've done a good job of drafting. They've done a good job of picking up other players that are going to be able to step in and, frankly, do better for the team than those aging veterans could have done. Um, but that's a lot of money that they had tied up, that they unloaded um, this season. And so um, – Broderick Bunkley is another example of a guy, you know, they, they did the same thing last year with Will Smith, took a huge pay cut to stay with the team. Bunkley did that this year. And so, you know, every year they may have these cap situations, but look, the cap's only going to be bad in, as long as Drew Brees is on the team. Um, and when Drew Brees retires or leaves or um, his contract runs out or whatever the case may be, um, all of a sudden a lot of cap room is going to open up. Um, and until then, um, Players like Champ Bailey are going to sign for ridiculously small contracts to play with Drew Brees because they know the team has a chance to win. Um, and that's that's what players, uh, a lot of players that, that are talented that haven't won in their career want to play for um, at a reduced price if they have to. So um, I, I think Loomis is going to keep doing what he does. I don't really see an end in sight. I mean, they, they were saying this about the Saints five years ago. I mean, we're in 2014 now. The Super Bowl win was is going to be five years ago um, this season, and um, we're still not seeing those cap problems that every other team laughed at us about and, and promised us. So um, yeah. I think Loomis will keep doing a good job. And, I mean, the cap issues, they've, they've been – I mean, the, the good drafting is a huge part of it. I mean um, – you know, they they got rid of Sproles, but they that was a choice they didn't have to make. I mean, the thing that, Kevin, I think we'd be thinking Mickey Loomis was less of a salary cap wizard if Malcolm Jenkins had been really good this year or Will Smith had been really good or Roman Harper. And they sort of had to let them go, and they were still productive. I mean, those players Andrew just named, none of them are – none of them were really productive at all. So, 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 what exactly is the question? Like, the, uh, like the, how? The question, I guess, is is are you are you at all worried that Andrew says the reckoning ain't gonna come? So, so just keep drinking. So, are you worried that no, it's gonna come in twenty sixteen, seventeen, or the the look, barring's look, barring something ridiculous, the reckoning isn't coming anytime soon. Um. <laughs> Like, basically, like, if we're assuming that the party, like, I, like when are we assuming the party started, 2006, or are yeah. we assuming the party started 2009? The party started in 2006. Okay. For sure. Okay, so then fine then. The party started in 2006, and I guess where we are now in 14 that, you know what, I mean, it may be appropriate to just, uh, to, to, Look at it as an Irish party where where what you do is 
parties start way early and they go a little and they go later, but people are still drinking and they're not getting as hammered so and shit faced, so thus the party goes on longer. And what they're doing is they're pacing themselves. They're drinking, they're having a good time, they're not just slamming shit back and running around Ryan, like a bunch Ryan of Yahoos. Not like the sound of this party. <laughs> No, no, no. Actually, I, I actually think Rob Ryan could fit in at one of these parties. I think he just, you know, I think he goes out. He would. I think he might like it because he could hang out technically for eight hours drinking, and still not be destroyed, and not, and maybe not have the risk of a raging hangover when he's done. Um. So I don't know. So let's say oh six is you know you get there at three o'clock. Everybody's having, you know, a nice little time. And, and, and you know what? Let's let's uh, I'll, I'll local it. Let's make it a crawfish boil. You get at the crawfish boil at three o'clock. The guy just dumped the things in. Uh, you know, if it's my dad, you're compl- you're you know, he's bitching and complaining that you didn't salt them enough or that you didn't uh, purge them. Didn't, didn't purge them. Correct. Right. 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 You, you didn't purge them enough. Like you only you only washed them once with the salt water. Whereas he does it three fucking times and it's overkill, but whatever. Um, you know, you get the sweet potatoes finally, the lemons, the whole deal. Finally, more guests start showing up, more guests start showing up. So w- where are we right now? Uh, I don't think we're near midnight yet. I think the tiki torches got busted out. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe there's a couple of assholes running around with uh, lampshades on their heads screaming about how – how much they love everybody and trying to sing Margaritaville for some obnoxious reason, but, uh, tree huggers. Right. Yeah. I mean, basically kind of what you're saying is the party doesn't end until Drew Brees is gone. And when Drew Brees is gone, it's not going to fucking matter if you have cap room or whatever, because the saints are fucked until they find the next Drew Brees. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, or, Ralph. The, the the one point I'll make is that there there has been a shift in recent times because in order to maintain the level of success that the Saints have had, um, there's been more of a because they don't have the cap room, um, because they can't take a bunch of gambles. Um, they've got to make sure the gambles they do take um, are hits, and so um, there's more. I think of a there there's more weight on the free agents that they do sign playing out and so they're fortunate i mean you look at guys they've signed recently in hawthorne and bunkley and and lofton and keenan lewis um those guys that have mostly have worked out they've worked out they've been hits and so you hope that jaris bird um is one of those two i mean certainly uh, you know he's got to be he's got to be at least on par with what they were hoping they would get i can't see him i can't see him being a disappoint if he's healthy well that's the if though i mean that you know but that's for him. i mean that's and yeah i mean that's anyone yeah. that's anyone but i just but don't, i don't see the point is that's a huge investment and if yeah. you're, you're you've got that much cap space tied into a player that's then then underperforming that's where as a team you start to be less successful but um, you know, and, and draft picks are huge too. And the saints have been awful in, in, in that era. You know, so you talk about when the party started in 2006, they've been awful at drafting defensive players up until a couple of years ago. Um, and now all of a sudden they've got a hit with Cam Jordan. They've got a hit with Akeem Hicks. They've got a hit with Kenny Vaccaro. And so all of a sudden they've gotten better at drafting these defensive players. And that was, that came at a critical time because, 
um, if they had continued on the path they were going, which was evaluating talent poorly on on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there was really, I mean, you remember two years ago, there was really no young talent on the team defensively that was living up to the draft status. I mean, you look at Malcolm Jenkins, um, you look at uh, some of the other guys they drafted, Patrick Robinson. Um, yeah. I mean, you go up and down the list, there's just disappointing draft picks, lots of Al Woods, guys that just didn't even make oh. the team. Um, so um, there, there's been a shift, and I don't really know what it, to attribute that to, but all of a sudden they've just done a better job of evaluating talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, and that's made a huge difference. But um, that I think that's when, when you're tight against the cap and you don't have as much room to maneuver, that's how you stay relevant. You've got to be smarter. You've got to pick your spots. Um, and when you do pick your spots, you got to hit. You know, and I like the fact with you know Jarius Bart. Obviously, we really like the signing. It's great. But the thing that I like about the moves that the Saints have made, Kevin, the recently like Kurt, Curtis Lofton and Bird is, Bird isn't a one-year player. You know, a lot of players they hit free agency and they're kind of mediocre, kind of mediocre. And then they have that great one year, like Paul Kruger, who the Saints made a hard push for last year, but he had had one good year. Jarvis Bird, he's got five or six really solid years. So that's what I like about it. What, though, as we head to the draft, if, Kevin, if the Saints, what do they need to do in the draft to make you feel like, all right, we got everything covered going into 2014? I mean, look, I mean, look at the O-line. Look at uh, wide out. I was getting there. ODB, motherfucker. That's who they need. LSU. ODB. Look at the O line. Well, I'm. I'm I'm not expecting to name players, just positions. Yeah, I know. But I was just gonna (laughs) say. I was gonna say, being up here in St. Louis, uh, I'm I'm not too fond of of uh, wide receivers with uh, three with uh, three named wide receivers because. They turn out to be fucking potheads <laughs> and attempt and alleged burglars. Um, hey, Ke- Kevin, did you see that today that the Saints announced that week one of the preseason will be at St. Louis? I look forward to not seeing that game <laughs> because uh, because Christ knows if I go to it, the Saints are going to find a way to get fucking blown out 55 to 10 in a preseason game in a preseason game to the Rams. So fuck it. Andrew. If the Saints have the number one, if the Saints have on their board a corner, a receiver, and an offensive lineman, a tackle, and they're all rated identical, what do they do? Oof, that's tough. I mean, I pass on a tackle because I think Bryce Harris is a decent, uh, you know, primary backup guy. So, I mean, if disaster has struck, I mean, I think he's a guy that could at least come in and handle himself a little bit so based on that um i think receiver and corner i mean i I think a center is important but you can get a good center in the third or fourth round i think so um yeah i mean it's between receiver and corner for me that's a really really tough one um i think because because you've invested so much in the defense and um the defense is starting to take shape and, and look pretty good um i think Champ Bailey signing him affords you the luxury of getting a cornerback in the second or third round. That surprised um, me. I thought you were going to. I think I would go with explosive receiver because if you've got a guy like Beckham Jr. or 
Brandon Cooks. I mean, some one of those guys that would fit in this offense really well. Um, I think you've got to make that move right now because Breeze needs help. I mean, if you look at the games on the road this year, um, specifically the Seattle games, but the Carolina game, I mean, I just feel like the Saints offense is, is getting older and they need to yeah. be infused. They need to be infused with some young, explosive talent. I thought you'd go corner. I really did. I was surprised. Yeah, the- I mean, I, yeah, trust me, even with Champ Bailey, I don't feel great about corner. I mean, that that's another position there. I don't think depth is great. I mean, it's better with Bailey, but they need to get stronger and, and have more depth at that position. I- but, I mean, a receiver, look at what they have right now. They've got Stills, Colston, and, and not a lot else. Yeah. I The one guy, Darquez Denard out of uh, Michigan State, he just seems to fit that Rob Ryan big corner profile. I know he's probably not going to be there at 27, but Andrew, the Saints like to move around to get their guy. I could see him if he if he starts getting into that 18, 19 range that the Saints move to get him. I would not be surprised to see the Saints trading up um, just because they're in win now mode. So you know, and they they have been for a while, and so we we've seen it. I mean, if the Saints find a guy that they think they can go get that they think is going to make a difference. Uh, for their roster and is the perfect fit. They'll do everything they can to go up and get it. Um, now, I think the challenge is picking 27. That's not a lot of ammo. You know, I mean, it, it's moving up starts with having a good first round pick um, that they can help you move up. And 27 is not a good first round pick. So yeah. um, I, my, my concern is, um, you know, to move up in the first round, they might have to give up a 27th and the first round pick next year. Um, or something like that, and that that might be kind of a steep yeah, price. I think to you pay. could get. I think you could get into the low teens for like a fourth, if the guy there was there that you wanted. But I, another guy I like is Mark, the receiver from USC, because two years ago he was a fucking animal, and last year he hurt his knee. Um, Mark Easley. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Um, you know, Calvin Benjamin's a guy that some people have talked about from Florida State. Odell Beckham Jr., of course, who I believe the Saints are having dinner with currently. That's right. Um, and uh, Brandon Cooks, obviously, is kind of that explosive. Um, you know, he's a receiver, so I won't call him a, an exact clone of Darren Sproles, but he kind of has some of the similar yeah. abilities in the passing game. Uh, before we get to your Twitter questions, which unfortunately are football-related, most of them, um, but we'll answer them anyway. God, why? I know why you think that people would understand this podcast by now, but Kevin, uh, you're a hardcore wrestling guy. Obviously I was for a little bit. And one of the people that I loved besides Hulk Hogan was the ultimate warrior. And he passed away today at 54. Um, what's that last night at 54, last night at 54. And he was just fucking different. From, different from wrestlers explain to people what he what he was and what he did different about what what made him unique um aside from the fact that he did all of the steroids and all of the cocaine <laughs> because i mean that kind of explains well one that explains why he probably died at 54 and that explains his promos and his look because he, he, here's the thing he died at 54, and the preliminary thing is natural causes. There is no – I'm sorry. There's no such thing as natural causes for a dude who's 54. There isn't. Unless, unless you're the ultimate warrior. 
and and <laughs> well, here's the thing. There was another wrestler who died of several several years ago, and this is when I fell out of wrestling the first time. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, and he had been healthy as a horse. Now he died in his hotel room. They said it was, you know, uh, natural causes related to something, something, something. Well, a lot of that shit that led to his natural causes death was the man was on roids and was abusing his body. And that, and he got he got clean and sober. Well, it caught up to him. Same thing here is pro. And again, I'm not saying I know for a fact, or I'm just. It kind of probably is going to come out that things he did when he was younger that put into his body. And he was a bodybuilder before he was a wrestler. Right. And he was ripped. I mean, roid, like. Like roid head, a vicious roid roid looking guy, but it didn't matter because the guy the guy wore neon colors, tassels on his boots, tassels around his arms. He had face paint that was like cooler than the Road Warriors or the Legion of Doom, whatever you want to call them. And he had long stringy hair, like he was like an eighties. Like imagine if. If your favorite '80s glam glam rock band went roid, went roid, did all the did all the working out, and just like took some LSD and just started talking or not talking, yelling, because that's all his promos were. His all of his promos were him snarling, yelling about death, about about the gods, how he hailed from parts unknown, uh. Like his memorable promos against Hulk Hogan. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry. in Hulk Hogan's plane, and it's yeah, crap. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho- and, oh yeah, and I'm sorry, not Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan. He would scream Hulk Hogan, and he would talk about he would talk about uh, injecting poison into Hulk Hogan, and it, and the and the antibodies wouldn't be able to to counteract. The venom of his warriorness, and he would he would dare Hulk Hogan to go into the cockpit to of of whose plane I don't know, but to go into the cockpit, look at the pilots who had already sacrificed themselves, okay, and then take the controls of the plane and jam said plane into a nosedive for again no context. No nothing. No, no. The man the man yelled, not spoke truth, just yelled random things. And probably my favorite line that he ever said ever, because I, I was mumbling it to myself all today while walking around work, is load the sp- load the spaceship with the rocket fuel. <laughs> and this had nothing to do with Hulk Hogan. This he was gonna wrestle, I think, Rick Rude at something, but this was just like Load the spaceship with the rocket fuel. And he just would spin on for like 30 seconds about something. But it was great. It was absolutely great. He would run to the ring. Nobody really ran to the ring. He would sprint to the ring. And sure, he'd be gassed after about three minutes because he would sprint to the ring, dive in, shake the ropes at like 90 miles an hour, do like high knee raises, and lift his arms up in the air like he was doing a, a press. And, you know, five minutes in a wrestling match, he's burned out of his mind. Like he's just burnt out. 
I mean, it helped that the man's matches never last. Most of his matches never lasted that long. But anytime he was asked to uh, wrestle longer than that, he was gassed. Yeah. Like, go watch WrestleMania six, the main event with him and Hulk Hogan. You can tell he's you can tell he's burned out after making that long run in the Sky Dome. And then finally, when you watch WrestleMania seven against Randy Savage, which is his greatest match ever, and that's thanks to Randy Savage because Ultimate Ultimate Warrior, for as awesome as he was, the man was not a wrestler. No, he just wasn't. He was in it. He was an entertainer. He was a he was a force of nature, if you will. And the the shock, the shocking thing. And I'll give you a bit of random trivia. The man used to team up with Sting before they became big deals like way back in the day. They used they would call themselves the Blade Runners or whatever. So there's random trivia for you. Impress your friends. Although, really, if you're trying to impress people, they'll never mind. Um (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the weird thing here, here's the crazy thing and 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 this is what is so fucking nuts is saturday the man was in new orleans at the at the smoothie center or whatever the hell they call it now um being inducted into the wwe hall of fame uh, alongside alongside serious fucking drug alcohol heads Jake Roberts and Razor Ramon, who hey, had don't say nothing bad about Jake the Snake, buddy. No, 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 no. I'm not. I, I'm not talking shit about Jake Roberts because the man actually got his life turned around th- thanks to Diamond Dallas Page, and that's that's no bullshit. Um, but but the warrior came out, delivered a speech. You know, he looked red in the face, but whatever. He's 54. And Sunday night, he came out again because they announced the Hall of Fame class, came out, waved to people. And Monday night was on Monday Night Raw, cut a, you know, came down to the ring in his suit and a jacket, like a like a cowboy duster that had been like some warrior thing had been painted on the back is very nice. He gets a plastic he gets a one of those cardboard cut like the back of a cereal box, a cardboard cutout warrior mask, slides it on his head and starts to cut a promo like the warrior. Actually, he cuts a promo as himself, even though his name was legally changed to warrior, cuts a promo as himself saying he doesn't know what to say, slides the warrior mask on and then talks to himself saying, if you can't think of anything to say, I will say it for you. <laughs> And then delivers his own fucking eulogy. Like go, like seriously, yeah. Go on YouTube and listen to this. It's creepy. It is, it's, it's, it's fucking creepy. It is. It is. It's like, like he literally says, every, like it's something like every man breathes his last breath and and dies and all this kind of stuff. But if the things he did mattered to people and the storytellers or whatever, then that then he has achieved a legacy and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like. Holy shit. Like, it's ridiculous hearing it in general. And and it actually is coherent <laughs> for the world uh. in general. But holy shit, man. It's it's Saturday he was alive. Sunday he was, he was alive. Dead. Monday he was uh. alive. Tuesday he's walking to his car with his wife and he drops dead. Uh, and we gotta, we got to get to questions because – Juge has got a baby he's got to put to bed. Rip the ultimate war. Oh, God. I'm sorry I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I let you ramble. I enjoy wrestling. Probably just me and just you. Andrew's probably wanting to stab himself in the neck. (laughs) Uh, Andrew, we're going to roll through some of these Twitter questions. Hey, I love Kevin, and I love uh, 
has. And Kevin loves wrestling, so yeah. on, on some level, it's it's in my heart there somewhere. All right, let's roll through these Twitter. <laughs> we got six minutes. Let's roll through Twitter 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 bleh, Twitter questions. I'm such a good broad, broadcaster. Sports Cajun, this one's for you, Andrew. What is the most trolltastic thing Mickey Loomis could do to the Falcons with his new newfound 2.85 million in cap space? Uh, well, the Raphael Bush thing was pretty good, um, I must say. Um, the most trolltastic thing they could do. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna have to think about that one. Kevin, you got anything good? Mm. No. No, because free agency's kind of kind of done. They could start a bounty for Matt Ryan because Arthur Blank was all pissed off about the hit that Ficaro laid on him in the opening game. But we know the Saints and bounties doesn't do well. Oh, okay, okay yeah, that, that's what he could do. He, he could go all Andre Royal <laughs> and uh, leave a picture of the Kenny Ficaro <laughs> hit on Matt Ryan in the locker room of every offensive lineman for the Falcons. Yeah. Kevin Alfredo asks, how important is it to date someone who is a fan, who is a fan of the same team as you are? Uh, I would have said very important uh, until I actually have been dating somebody who isn't necessarily a football person, but she accompanied me to that fucking Rams Saints game last year. And proceeded to enjoy the hell out of watching me lose my mind and tweet about how sad I was about the whole thing. She was like, wait, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm tweeting. She's like, wait, are you tweeting about the game? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God, that is hilarious. So, you know, as as long as they don't hate it or disparage you for it. And at least care enough to either go or let you go and have your fun. That's fine. Yeah. Andrew, once you have kids, though, and you you have the responsibility of changing diapers and entertaining, and um, it's pretty critical for me that my wife likes the Saints. And she's from Louisiana. She's from Baton Rouge. She's a Saints fan and a Tigers fan. Um, And that's. That's pretty crucial for me because I think if I if there wasn't some understanding that we both cared about this, um, I think she'd be a lot less understanding that I need to check out for three hours. <laughs> Better guest on first take, Andrew, Kevin or Wang? Ooh, well, Kevin, well, Wang's kind of the godfather of of uh, we make the rules, pal, and and all that stuff, and highly, highly entertaining. Um. That's tough because Kevin's kind of got the think on your feet um, comedian aspect down. Um, so, I mean, I'd be entertained either way, but um, and I'm a huge fan of Wang, but I got to go with my boy Kevin because think- he, he would just go on these ridiculous rants that first take would keep trying to cut him off. And, you know, he, he'd be on air and they'd have to go to commercial and Kevin would just ruin everything. And it would yeah, be hilarious. I, Kevin could get so angry at Skip Bayless. There is a 30 percent chance that he would powerbomb him and then and then scream out, go to break, motherfucker, or something like that. <laughs> and it would just crash Twitter. Yeah, there's a higher degree of chance that Kevin would make them regret that they invited yeah. him on. No, a Super Saiyan Saint asks, if the Astros make the playoffs, will you will your wife ever calm down? Uh, no, she will not. And the thing is – She's Mexican, man. She's, that is true. But she is a diehard Astros fan. If she ever meets Jim Crane, the owner, on the street, she will punch him because 
that dashers aren't on TV in Houston unless you have Comcast. So she would not come down. The thing is, I want the Saints obviously to win another Super Bowl, but next on my sports bucket list is I want to see, I want to experience with my wife the Astros in a pennant race because she goes ape shit in a June game when they blow a lead. I can't imagine what she'll do in September when they're a game ahead or a game out and their bullpen starts to melt down or they make a good comeback. So, uh, no, she will not calm down. Uh, Kevin, let's see. If the Saints – we got a lot of Chris John- – oh, at this point, would it shock you if the Saints somehow signed Chris Johnson, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. Like he just it – just, it just doesn't seem like a fit. I, I, and again, I have no, I have no empirical evidence to back this up. When have I ever? But I just don't, uh, I just don't see the fit. Andrew's the empirical evidence guy. No, come on, man. You actually made an, a, a smart comment there. Just stick with, stick with your guns, man. Come on. Andrew, how many Super Bowls would the Saints win if they had the pinnacle of Sean Payton's offense and the pinnacle of Jim Mora's defense? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Seattle would have lost to us by 30 points. Probably, I would I would say being realistic, that if they had that together, they'd probably win three out of four like the Cowboys did, and then free agency would just devastate it. Yeah, yep. But it would be it would be an awesome fucking be, four years, I could tell you that. It would be glorious, yep. Um, it would be fun while it lasted. Yeah, uh, that's about well, it for the— to, well, to steal a line from super fans— we're talking a minimum eight peat. <laughs> um, sorry we couldn't get it to anybody else's. We'll get to Ryan. Somebody has a question that, that Ryan, Rob Ryan does animal names for the defense. What about an animal names for the offense and you personally? We, we got to remember to do that next week. But uh, it's 10 o'clock. We need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, for Kevin, for Dave, who's MIA, for Andrew, uh, I'm Ralph Marlboro. Uh Thanks for joining us. The bracket continues uh, next week. We promise. Oh. Put the rocket fuel in the starship! Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.